Proverbs has 31 chapters. Such good, practical, daily living advice. That's why you so often hear people say, you should read a proverb every day of the month. And that way you can go through it 12 times a year and these things will get in your heart. Read a chapter of the Proverbs and, and over and over go through that book. It was not entirely written by King Solomon, but much of it was. King Solomon, you know, was the third of the kings of Israel. He was the son of King David. And so because there were some other authors besides Solomon, the writings of the Proverbs go from about 3,000 years ago clear till maybe about 2,700 years ago. But I want to remind you about King David and his son uh, Solomon. King David uh, had a wife, Bathsheba. You remember that whole story, how he married the woman uh, who was married before, and they had four children, but it was Solomon to whom the throne was passed. And Solomon said in Proverbs 4, when I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me. So Solomon said, I remember when my dad David said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. So these are Solomon's words, but he's echoing what his dad said. So David knew this, and he said to his boy, don't forget, don't turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't forsake her. And wisdom is referred to over and over in Proverbs as a female. Don't forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Well, we're after a lot of things here, aren't we? We're after power. We're after money. We're after stability. We're after freedom. We're after possessions. And he's saying all that other stuff that's important to you in this life, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. It's interesting to me that those are David's words. They're written in Proverbs by Solomon, but they're David's words. This was a family thing passed down. You will remember that after David died and Solomon became king, God gave him a dream. This beautiful painting was done in 1695 by Luca Giordano, an Italian, and it's called The Wise Dreamer. Uh, the Dream of Solomon. So you can see there God is speaking to him and he's saying, Ask me for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. And instead of asking for riches or honor or long life, you recall that he asked for wisdom, and God said, I will make you the wisest person that's ever lived. And so he wrote three, most of three of the books of the Bible that we're going to look at, Proverbs for the next four weeks, and then Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. And this uh, book of Proverbs, then, has right in the very first part of chapter one the reasons that it was written. He says to know wisdom and instruction. 
It sounds like he's doing just exactly what his dad said. He remembered what his dad said. So when God said, what would you like me to give you? He said, oh yeah, wisdom. I'd like that. And then he writes this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he gives this laundry list of reasons why it would be a good idea for us to make this part of our heart too. So he says, to know wisdom and instruction, understand words of insight, receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. Well, that seems kind of odd, doesn't it? If you're already wise, then you don't need this, right? Oh, but there's always so much more to learn. And so this book is not just for the simple. If you think you've already matured and you think you already have a pretty good idea of how life works, you know, older people kind of tend to boast about their wisdom sometimes in the form of they'll say, well, this isn't my first rodeo or I've been around the block a few times. They'll say things like this. What they're really saying is I'm pretty wise actually. <laughs> those are the people that also need to be reading this book because there's so much more to know. And the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their rules. So if you just look in a textbook for a student that's a religious scholar, say at ORU or something, and you were going over the basics about Proverbs, the textbook would say, there are four main themes to this book. And that's why we're gonna devote four weeks to looking at it. But the first of those four is the fear of the Lord. So we're starting out today talking about the fear of the Lord. Well, is that something we really wanna teach our children? I mean, we wanna teach them to be afraid? Why? Why would that be a biblical thing? Well, let's see what it says about Job. Job was one of the wisest men that ever lived, and we just did his story a few weeks back. Notice that it says in chapter 1, verse 1, oops, skipped it. Uh, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God. He feared God and shunned evil. Okay, because he feared God, he shunned evil. Then we read about Moses. Fast forward hundreds of years, and we now have the children of Israel, and they are ready to leave Egypt and go into the land of Canaan, and then from Canaan, they're, they're uh, going to make a life. And this is what Moses says right before he dies. Oh, sorry. Assemble the people so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God. Okay, Moses has been with them for 40 years. They know him well. He's passing things along to Joshua. He's going to be concise and boil it down and tell them the most important stuff. What is it you really need to tell these people before you're not their leader anymore? Fear the Lord and obey him. So the obedience follows from the fear. And then there was King David himself, whom we've already mentioned. He writes in Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
oh, okay, I get it. So that's why it shows up in Proverbs 1.1. And I'm taking a little bit of inspiration from a book that you might be interested in reading later. It's called The Solomon Secrets. Uh, Dr. Robert Jeffress is an American Southern Baptist pastor. He's an author, a radio host, a televangelist. He's the senior pastor of the 14,000-member First Baptist Church in Dallas. He's been a Fox News contributor. You may have seen him on TV. His sermons are broadcast on uh, radio programs and go to 28 different countries and 900 stations. Anyway, he wrote this really good book kind of unpacking everything that Solomon said. And he has a whole chapter at the end of this book, The Solomon Secrets, on the fear of the Lord. And we can see that the fear of the Lord, if you have this, if you have such a respect for God that you are in reverent submission to him, then it's going to be evidenced in three ways in your life. It will cause you to respect his power and reverence his holiness and to turn from sin or to repent. So I'd like to take that first one and look at an example of when people feared God and had great respect for him because they saw his great power. So let's go back again to the children of Israel. They have just left Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've come down the Sinai Peninsula. So here's a Google Earth view of the Sinai Peninsula. And uh, you can look down there and see at the bottom yellow arrow where that red line comes to a point, almost like a V, about where Mount Sinai actually is on the Sinai Peninsula. Here's a real photograph of the actual mountain right there in the center there. It's also called Jabal Musa or Mount Moses. And uh, it is thought to be the actual place where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Well, it's about 7,500 feet high, so it's about a mile and a half high. It's not the tallest mountain in the region. It's sitting next to a mountain that's a little taller, Mount Catherine. But this mountain is where God called Moses when he was ready to give him the law. So he's got all these people around, and we know there were 600,000 men of military age. So all the women and the children with them, this could have been a multitude of maybe 2 million. And what is it we're talking about here? The fear of the Lord coming to demonstrate in us a great respect for his power. So here they are at this mountain, and they've already seen his power displayed when the waters of the Red Sea rolled back. But now here they are at this mountain, and we're in Exodus chapter 19. On the morning of the third day, because God's been warning them, okay, I'm getting ready to give the law, so get ready. There was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Now, instead of this cartoon, I think I'm gonna turn back to that actual photograph of the real mountain again. So I want you to see if you can picture this, thunder and lightning, now a thick cloud over the mountain and a loud trumpet blast. Well, loud noises kind of scare people anyway, as does 
thunder. And bright lights can scare people. So we have something to see and something to hear here. Everyone in the camp trembled. So this wasn't just your ordinary, oh, look, there was a flash of lightning in the distance. Maybe it's going to rain. This is a, wow, what's getting ready to happen? Everyone in the camp, not just the three-year-olds, everyone in the camp is trembling. So think about what it takes to make you so scared that you literally sit there and shake. Really produces anxiety. Then Moses led the people out of the mountain to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered in smoke. Okay, so it's not just a cloud now, it's smoke, and you usually can smell smoke. So there's something to see and something to hear, and now something to smell. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. Now look at that. That is a majestic sight. What would it take to make a piece of rock like that tremble? We're talking about a major earthquake. That would really scare me. If you've ever seen footage of how people react in the middle of an earthquake, they run out into the street screaming because they're afraid their house is going to fall down on them. Well, that's what those people were seeing. The Lord descended on it in fire. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, can you hear that? Bum, ba, ba, bum, bum, ba, ba, bum, or whatever the pitches were, louder and louder. You don't know where the trumpet's coming from. Who's playing a trumpet? And, you know, we got an earthquake here, and there's, I mean, talk about sensory overload. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so they don't force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them perish. Okay, so what was the point? The fear of the Lord includes a great respect for his power. The Lord that we serve is extremely powerful. And I remember that uh, Dini's late husband, Royce, used to say, if the Lord took his hand off you, you couldn't make it to the back door. So... My next breath is in his hand. Every single thing is under his control, and he is all-powerful. That ought to make me fall on my face in reverence. I respect his power, great power. And in fact, something, I mean, we're supposed to be talking about Proverbs here, aren't we? So why aren't we reading some of the Proverbs? Well, Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord, chapter 1, he brings that up, is the beginning of knowledge. You know what he's getting ready to do here? He's getting ready to give them the law. They don't have the Bible yet. Nothing is written down. He's going to give them the beautiful law from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the whole Pentateuch, the Torah. That is knowledge, and it starts with the fear of the Lord. So what does he do? He gives them an awesome display of his power. So they're standing there shaking like a leaf. You see how the two go together? You fear God, and then you have this starting point so that you're willing to listen. Imagine this little kid who's not paying attention and who's rebelling. Sometimes a parent will say, hey, you listen to me right now. They raise their voice, and the kid goes. And that's what was happening here. The shaking mountain, the Lord is saying, oh, I'm a powerful God. 
Listen to what I'm getting ready to tell you. Proverbs 9.10, here we go again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I already showed you that verse, except David said it, and it was in Psalm 111. Here we go again. I think if it's repeated more than once, maybe the Lord wants to emphasize it. Proverbs 16.6, through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. You see why I put that verse here? We're getting ready to look at the law. Don't do this. Do do this. Honor your parents. Remember the Sabbath day. Don't covet. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. If you fear God, you're standing there at the base of the mountain shaking because of his great and awesome power. Maybe you'll pay attention and avoid evil. Beautiful. The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. So even though they're shaking in their boots because they know he could destroy them on a whim, the real reason that he has them shaking there is because he wants to give them life. He wants to give them life. The fear of the Lord leads to light, then life, then one rests content, untouched by trouble. And Solomon says, to his own progeny, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, you know, kind of like when Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You got to want it. If that's what you want, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of the Lord. Okay, so that was six verses in Proverbs about the fear of the Lord, and you see how it produces a respect for his power. Well, the second thing on that Solomon Secrets Robert Jeffress book list about what the fear of the Lord will do in you is cause a reverence for God's holiness. So that brings us to a passage of scripture that we dealt with not very long ago when we were talking in the part about Exodus exile, King Uzziah. And I told you that King Uzziah was a pretty good king, but he got prideful at the end of his life. And then he broke out in leprosy and he had to be isolated. And his son was the regent king. Well, Isaiah 6 says in the year that King Uzziah died, you know, the old going downhill diseased king, I saw the Lord high and exalted and seated on a throne. And remember, what's the point of this again? Oh yeah, fear of the Lord. And the train of his robe filled the temple, his awesome glory. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another. So what was this point two we were supposed to be talking about again? Reverence for God's holiness. So here's Isaiah's vision, and he's in the actual throne room of God, and he sees these seraphim and the glory of God, and God's robe has a train that fills the whole temple, and they were calling to one another, these seraphim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Okay, so what would your reaction be? 
Wow, what a display of power. Or this is extremely interesting. No, he was horrified because he recognized his own sinfulness. We're talking here about a respect for God's holiness, a reverence for his holiness. You know, there used to be old detergent commercials and they would always show these kids' gym socks that looked pretty decent and white. And they would say, have you been using detergent X? Well, try detergent Y and you'll see how much cleaner things get. And then they show these other socks and they're brilliant, bright white. And you go, oh, I had no idea how dingy those other ones, you know, by themselves, they were okay. I would have thought they were clean. Wow, this is what clean is. So Isaiah is going around and he thinks, oh, I'm okay, you're okay, everything's fine. And then he comes in contact with the holiness of God and he's just horrified because that's what righteousness is. And this is filthy. Oh, God, have mercy. And so he says, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Oh, wow. So that's what holy actually is. But this is supposed to be a book, a lesson about Proverbs. So could we go back to Proverbs, please? Well, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. So here we have Solomon saying, if you really fear God, when you see that dinge, you'll go, oh, I'm ruined. Oh, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among the people of unclean lips. His holiness will cause you to reverence him. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress and for their children, it'll be a refuge. I mean, there he was in the most secure fortress of all, the actual throne room of God. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. You remember what they did for him when he was horrified about being dirty? They took tongs and a coal off the altar and they burned his lips and he was made clean. And so we see that God provides for us the righteousness that we need. And this tells us that if we start with a fear of God, like Isaiah being horrified at his own sin, that it ends up being for us a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. But then the third of the three things that the fear of the Lord produces is a reordering of our behavior or repentance. So I got to thinking, where is one of the very best examples of that in scripture? And we have to go to the book of Acts. So we'll start out with the early church. And here's one of the first martyrs. The name of this painting, it was done in 164, is the stoning of Stephen. And so you see Stephen having that vision and saying that he sees the Lord right before he dies and that's infuriating people. And the religious leaders are stoning him while standing right there keeping the coats is one Saul of Tarsus. And he thinks he's a good man. He's a religious scholar, probably has the whole Torah memorized. He speaks several languages. He was educated by one of the head Pharisees, Gamaliel from a really good family and uh, from the tribe of Benjamin, and he gets this uh, permission 
to go into surrounding areas that aren't even Israel proper and arrest Jews who are calling themselves by the name of Christ because he thinks that they're on the wrong track. And so he's on his way to Damascus and we read, Saul began to destroy the church. This is Acts 8. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. So then you get to Acts 9, and he nears Damascus on his journey, and suddenly a light from heaven flashes around him, and he falls to the ground. And a voice says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, he falls down in terror and reverence because he really does have a place of respect in his heart for the God of Israel. And he hears this voice, and then he says, Who are you, Lord? And the voice says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. By the way, this painting was done by Caravaggio in 1600. He was an Italian. It's called Conversion on the Way to Damascus. Can you see how he's been knocked off his horse there? And the voice says, get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. And what are we talking here about? Reordering of behavior or repentance that comes with the fear of the Lord. So here was Saul on his way to Damascus with the express intention and permission on a piece of paper to destroy Christians. We're going to take men and women and we're going to, first of all, lock them up arrest them, and drag them to jail, which was a horrible experience. And so after he has that vision, and he hears the voice, and he's told by Jesus, I'll give you your marching orders, he still goes to Damascus, but his purpose completely changes. He doesn't eat or drink anything for three days. He's blind. He goes to this Christian's house, and he just stays by himself for three days, trying to process all this, can't see anything at all. And after three days, a man named Ananias shows up there. And uh, this painting was done in 1631 by Pietro de Cortana. It's called Ananias Restoring the Sight of St. Paul. But he baptizes Saul, who will be called Paul and become the Apostle Paul. And Paul gets a new mandate. And that mandate is, don't arrest Christians, try to make more of them. So you go around and preach the gospel first to the Jews, but then also I'm sending you primarily to the Gentiles. So when you show up in these cities, I want you first to go to the synagogue where your own people are. And you show up on Saturday morning and you'll be an official and they'll recognize that you're a Pharisee and you can say, I would like to speak in your service, please. And then you'll stand up and you can use the Old Testament scriptures to say, see, here was a prophecy about the Messiah. And look at this one and look at this one. Well, good news. He's already come and he was crucified for our sins and he rose the third day and he's ascended back into heaven. Would you like to know him? And then most of the time they'll say, uh, you're off your rocker. Would you get out of here, please? And then you'll say, okay, well, I tried with him. Now I'm going to take the gospel to the Gentiles, the people that don't know him. So what is it we're supposed to be talking about here again? What was the point of this? Oh, yeah, the fear of the Lord, you know, getting knocked off your horse by a bright light and a loud voice that scares everybody else to death, but they don't know what's going on, and then not seeing a thing for three days. 
and then getting baptized and getting your sight back, that causes complete repentance. And exhibit A, his first missionary journey, look at the green line, see all those places he went preaching the gospel. You see how that's complete reordering of behavior? He was arresting Christians. Now he's trying to get anybody that will listen to come to Christ. Here's his second missionary journey. Look how he has expanded his route and he's gone even further to the West and he has uh, gone to Greece. And then we see his third missionary journey and it's even more extensive and he's preaching the gospel for the first time, but he's also going back and strengthening the new churches that he has planted. But wait a minute, aren't we supposed to be talking about Proverbs and the fear of the Lord? Well, let's look at a couple of scriptures from Proverbs about the fear of the Lord that fit with this. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Here's Paul. Well, I'm a Pharisee, and I know a lot of languages, and I've studied a lot, and you can refer to me as doctor. And he's on his way to Damascus, and he's knocked off his horse, and suddenly he's humble as humble can be. He's a blind man who doesn't really have any clues about what's going on, and he will take his marching orders from the Lord, and he will allow himself to be touched by a man who is a follower of Christ and baptized into the very religion that he was fighting before. You see, humility is the fear of the Lord. That turns you around and reorders your behavior. It's wages or riches and honor and life. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Well, you can call me Dr. Saul. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, and I have orders here for your arrest. No, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun the evil. Oh, my goodness, was I ever off track. I thought I was doing the right thing, but it was wrong. Oh, thank you so much for the insight. And then finally, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. I'd rather be in this stinking jail, in these chains, and cold and kind of hungry and wishing that I had some parchments so I could write. And depending on other people to come and visit me, I'd rather be like that, Paul was thinking, than to have all of the, the great things that come with being head Pharisee. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. And finally, we're clear into chapter 24 of Proverbs. Remember, it has 31. Well, 12 of those 31 chapters speak specifically about the fear of the Lord. And here we are in the 12th of the 12. Fear the Lord and the king, my son, and don't join with rebellious officials. And here, I would like to tell you what Paul had to say to just kind of demonstrate as we close here how fully and completely this repentance was. You see there that shipwreck? That was one of the shipwrecks of Paul. In fact, it was called Paul's shipwreck. And uh, he says in 2 Corinthians when he's writing to a church that he started, Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. You know the picture I just showed you? I spent a night and a day in the open sea. You know, floating around on some wrecked piece of ship, hoping that I don't drown. 
I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Are you catching my drift? The man repented. He was on his high horse on the way to Damascus. But because he feared God and he had an encounter with God's greatness, he turned it around. And so what would be the bottom line of this whole Sunday school lesson then? David said it, and then his son Solomon said it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please pass it along.